0: You're about to listen to a Second City Works presentation brought to you in partnership with WGN Radio. Subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform or listen on WGNRadio.com and be sure to share. The Second City is
1: back open for live shows, classes, and customized corporate workshops and events. But we also have all those things available in virtual formats. For more information, go to SecondCity.com. Today's pod, we welcome back Chad Sanders. Who is a writer, director, actor, and musician based in New York City. Um, Previously, Chad worked at Google and YouTube as a tech entrepreneur. He has since written or co-written TV series and feature films with collaborators Spike Lee, Morgan Freeman, and Will Packer. Uh, Chad's op-ed pieces have appeared in the New York Times, Slam Magazine, and Teen Vogue. Uh, We talked to him when his book came out, Black Magic, What Black Leaders Learn from Trauma and Triumph uh today we're talking about a new podcast that he co-hosts with julie bowen of modern family fame uh and that podcast is called quitters and this ended up being a really interesting conversation that went a lot to a lot of different places so i hope you enjoy the pod The Second City is a world-famous comedy theater, and it got so famous because it has produced generation after generation of comedy superstars. That didn't happen by magic. Second City's improvisational pedagogy fuels great performance. And the same practices that made stars of everyone from Bill Murray to Tina Fey can be applied for success offstage, at work, at home, and in the world. I'm Kelly Leonard, Executive Director of Insights and Applied Improvisation at The Second City. This podcast is about collaborative conversations, seeking connections, and finding a better Way. This is getting to Yes Hand.
0: Days can be counted by the money spent. Today was just another better left on. Uns-
2: sanders welcome back to the show hey thanks for having me uh, a lot's happened since we talked last wow
0: <laughs> yes.
2: and actually i'm curious is your new podcast
1: uh quitters uh like did it grow out of the last two years is it very intentional with with, with that i
2: i guess yes and no everything that i work on and it's probably it might be the same for you it, it feels like it sort of grows over time, over, honestly, over months and years, just yeah. from different ideas, notes in your notes, pads, things you're thinking about, things you're talking about with friends. Um, to, and if I wanted to sort of boil it down for this one, I actually put pen to paper on the concept about 10 months ago mm-hmm. um, because when Black Magic came out, I met Brene Brown um, mm-hmm. because she was a big champion for the book. I went on her show as well. Um, and she followed up with me immediately thereafter. And she was like, oh, you might have a voice for this podcasting thing. And I was like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, I've been thinking about it. I want to do it. And she said, I have a banner at Spotify. Do you want to come do it under my banner at Spotify? And so I I put the concept together. I brought it to her, took it over to Spotify and they actually made an offer for it. And it was an offer that I wasn't comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't go with her. And so then I just took the thing back and it just was sort of kismet. Like I met Julie Bowen, we wanted to work together. We started having conversations and finding that there was sort of an, an electricity and attention there. And she had quit a marriage, quit, right. um, you know, an eating disorder, had quit a few things. And I obviously had quit my job at Google, among other things. And so mm-hmm. like the concept just started to hash together and, and uh, we made the show. What was interesting too, to me,
1: and I've listened to all, all the episodes that I've heard so far, uh, you know, we everyone's talking about the Great Resignation, and I'm like, I, I kind of think that's really a, a meaning crisis that's happening in America. <laughs> and and I feel like that your podcast, while, while quitting, is is at the center. It's a lot a lot more than that. It's it's about the reason, right, that someone is quitting more so than the quitting itself.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's the the title is a little tongue in cheek. Um, we're yeah. trying to take some ownership of the idea of deciding your future as much as as much as one can because nobody really can right. um, you know for me that was everything in my life and every person in my life that I was listening to at the time was pointing to this sort of corporate track you know you work at Google for 20 years you try to claw your way to the top if you leave you go to another corporation and you try to you know leverage your way into a promotion and it was like that was the thing that was you know the the story i had been told of my own life and i was trying to live out that story and over time realizing that that was not the real story for me i had to i had to jump ship and that was the quit and that was the proactive thing i was doing to say I'm going to figure out what my own story is. I don't know what it is. It's scary. This is the mm. abyss that I'm jumping into. I'm spinning, but like I got to try something else because this doesn't fit for me. And that's really what we're talking about with quitting, with quitting anything, with quitting cigarettes, with quitting a marriage, with quitting, you know, any shoe that doesn't fit. We're, we're talking about it's, it's really just sl- slicing something out of your life to make space for something new. You just don't necessarily know what the new thing is.
1: So I'm a bit older than you. But I have three quitting stories that I think basically define my entire life. Mm, what are they? Um, the first was, so I had been uh, up until junior year in high school, like my world, I was defined as a soccer player. So I'm the youngest of six boys. One brother was an All-American, another was All-State. I, I was considered maybe, maybe the best out of, out of all of them. We went to the state championship. We, we lost. Yeah. Um, I quit after that and never played again. Um, and then found my way into books and art and theater, which is how I have you know lived, lived my life. I quit my first marriage, um, which I sort of felt like was a situation where like i don 't think i 'm being treated well and and then found the love of my life i 've been married to for tw- twenty five years mm. and then, in two thousand and fifteen, after I wrote yes and," I quit my job at Second City. I had been running the theater. I ended up staying and carving out a new role, but it was it was like and that was really scary because my kids were young. And I didn't have anything else to go to. And I just recall my wife being like, if you need to do this, and I think you do, do this. Yeah. And these last years since I did that, I've completely redefined sort of, again, who I am. And I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been, even though sad stuff's happened. But it's, it's like, and i look at those things as like, there's such a negative spin on quit. Mm-hmm. And yet, if I hadn't made those moves, I think I would have been trapped in a sea of
2: unhappiness sure and and i would also add uh or i would suggest that in all three of those it sounds like and i'm curious to know if this is true but it sounds Mm -hmm. like each one of those three things soccer your first marriage and second city sounds like all three of those things were things that at least at one point in time you truly loved like you 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 truly were enamored by. sure and that's changed and then it changed right and if and if you had tried to like chase the love that existed at one time forever, you probably wouldn't be sitting here with a very pure smile on your face as, oh. as I've seen you do the last two times that I've spoken to you. Yeah. But, but, but the reason why I highlight that is because we're not, you know, this is not like a, um, we're not uh, public motivators. We're not, you know, this mm. is not like, it's not, it's not a religious show. You know, this is no. not a show where it's like rah, rah, shish, boom, bah, like just have faith and hope and it's all going to, you know, it's all going to be a great this is the show where we we when we talk to someone who's an alcoholic about qu- quitting alcohol as best they mm-hmm. can. We want to talk about not just leaving that thing behind, but like what was the thing you fell in love with? Tell us about the fun nights. Tell us about you know the the good times. Tell us about the ride up before you yeah. realized that this thing was going to hit a wall and you needed to turn it around. You know because wh- I, I don't want to um, I don't want to idolize the person who's in the thing or the person beyond the thing we just want to really tell the story and understand it
1: that's really insightful because we're messy as hell as human beings and the world we live in i mean like we're recording this you know yesterday russia invaded ukraine these trans bills come out right i mean it's just like yeah. the world was already just like terrible and problematic and all that and, and there's even more and yet you know you kind of got to get up and Go through the day and, and, and so that ability to sort of recognize the, the difficulties and move forward and try to be happy and, and, and make a difference in this world or whatever your thing is uh, and what i what I think is important about your podcast is just that it, it, it's actually in a time where there's no nuance, yeah. this is extremely nuanced
2: oh thank you oh man that that is uh, that is one of the most important compliments to me and to that to the show because i i sort of i know what i'm up against in terms of the marketing of the show you know um my my co-host and thought partner is julie bowen of modern family fame this is something that could very someone could very easily scroll past it because they're like okay great another hollywood podcast right another like Two, you know, successful people, one super successful person, you know, wealthy, kind of just like above it all, just sort of like bloviating and, you know, making ha ha, hee hee and, and kind of almost basically networking with each other over my, over the top of my head. And I get a few right. jokes out of it. Like that is not the show at all. No. And in fact, there's a lot of tension in between me and Julie in the show because we're both so dead set on making sure that never becomes the show, you know what I mean? And then, and to speak to the messiness of the world that we're in, the the cool thing I like about this quitting concept is that it's not like we're trying to start a fire from nothing that doesn't already exist. Like you said, 40 million Americans quit their jobs last year because people spent some time with themselves over these last two years, I think, and took stock and inventory of like, what am I doing with my life every day? Who am I giving it to? And what are they giving me back? So, we're in in a sense we're preaching to the choir a little bit with this topic, and we're really getting into other people's minds to learn from them. Like, wh- why did you leave the thing behind? And you have
1: a you have a thing that you I have not heard it used yet in the podcast. Is it a bell that that yeah. can get run? And, and, and really quickly, my <laughs> wife who's a. um uh, a comedy professor and a long time sort of theater director and teacher. Uh, she took this uh, um, workshop that they were giving them around consent, especially, which is very difficult in improvisation because like you're just making it up. But basically there's a word that they have, which is button. Mm-hmm. And if you say button, no one's in trouble, whatever, everything just stops. Yeah. And everyone's got a beat. And then they can figure out what, what they need, need to do from there. So tell us about the thing that you guys have. And I haven't, I haven't heard it used yet.
2: Yeah, you haven't heard it in the first uh, four episodes. Fair which it, is yeah. funny because I just had a conversation with our, our producers about how we edit this thing. And I'm like, hey, we got to make sure because the bell gets rung almost every single time we record. But oh, we, only, really? we only leave it in for the ones that we think actually help us tell the story. You know what okay. I mean? Because sometimes, sometimes it's, it's – it, you'll, you'll see. So I'll give you the story of the bell. So, you know, as the, as these things happen, uh, Julie Bowen kind of drops out of the sky. Uh, she heard me on Dak Shepard's podcast. Her producer mm-hmm. reaches out. They're like, let's start working together. I'm like, great, let's do it. I have this concept. We start putting it all together. Um, the producer's name is Rachel, just to give her a shout out. She's awesome. And And, you know, when my book comes out, Black Magic, mm-hmm. this is after a period of probably two or three years of my life where... I haven't really had any relationships with white people, you know, to, to, to be honest, this is mm-hmm. like, I'm a little bit underground right now as a writer, just like kind of chiseling my way out. You know, the first thing that made a dent was this New York times piece I wrote after George Floyd. Then I had people's attention. The book came out and then, then I started ha- you know, s- s- some people started entering my life, but so I'm very vulnerable. I'm very sensitive. And I'm like, how do I form a relationship with Julie Bowen um without it getting back to how I felt at Google with so many of my managers and bosses right. and colleagues. And the first time I went to go to her house to record, I just brought this bell with me. I actually sent one to her house. And I was like, every time one of us has our feelings hurt, we're gonna ring the bell and we're gonna talk about it right there on the spot. And we continued to do it while we recorded and we've done it with our guests. Mm-hmm. So that so that we don't just build, you know, so we don't build a relationship on toxicity. So we don't build a relationship on hurt feelings. So we don't have resentment when we look back two years from now, because now the train's moving and it's, and it can be really hard to police those things if you don't do it in real time.
1: So it, 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 this is so relevant to a conversation we're having constantly in, in, ver- in various spaces with, with various people, which is how do we stay in conversation it, 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 uh, to to make the human experiment work mm-hmm. yeah. requires us to stay in conversation with whom people with whom we disagree. Yeah. I, I just don't. I don't think it, it, the, the other the other side of that is not not good. Yeah. Um. So so having to do that while also recognizing the massive inequities and systemic issues that still remain that is such a tricky area to sort of play with. And I'm curious if, 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 I mean, what are the, what are the, the, the guidelines for that? How, 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 I mean, you seem to manage it because you're entering with an element of goodwill that you don't necessarily like, I don't know that you,
2: right. Like, <laughs> like you have every right not to have that goodwill. No, for no. I mean, of course, you know, I think, and, and I guess, I gotta be honest. Like, sure, I have that right, um, and some people have every right slash privilege to also not enter that that you know yeah. that forum of conversation. Um, it, like, I I tell I say it to Julie all the time. Like, you could just kind of float away in the clouds and like mm-hmm. live your life on beaches and stuff, and 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 a lot of people choose to do that. And you know, I guess I will never talk to those people, but no. I think you know, I'm not, I don't think I am an expert on this. I'm learning a lot about it though. And I tell you, it's costing a lot of emotional energy to have these conversations over and over and over again. And the conversations shift and they meld. And already as we get further and further away from George Floyd, that the dynamics of the conversations are changing. Um, I went back to go speak at Google a few times over the last few months. And I can already see that sort of, the the energy and the enthusiasm to learn in the wake of George Floyd has waned you know and mm-hmm. the, the, it's a little bit it's a little tired it's a little sleepy in those rooms mm-hmm. the people that look like me are a little scared again about mm-hmm. the, their their job safety so i think my job um to some extent is to because i'm sort of a free agent now is to like say the things that people are getting scared again to say to each other Um, out loud in a way that is honest, not overwritten, kind, you know, so that someone else can actually hear me. And so someone else will will enter in dialogue with me. But the other thing I would say for the receiving end of that, and I'm on the receiving end of it often, because I have my own layers of privilege, um, you know, can you, I think sports is the right analogy for this. Mm. It's like, can you take the feedback? Can you hear someone say, I don't know soccer terms. I'll say it in basketball terms. Yeah. Can, you, can somebody tell you, you missed your assignment. You were supposed to help down on the baseline. You didn't mm-hmm. do it. You know you didn't do it. This is why you have to do it. Can you just take that and can you just hear it and digest it and get it right the next time without lashing back at the person or without overwhelming them with, Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! This is why I did it. I meant to do this. I thought it was this. I didn't do this. Right. Means, you know what I mean? Can you just take the feedback and just get it right the next time? That that's a big part of it.
1: We have a, an adage at, at Second City, which is take the effing note.
2: Yeah,
1: like yeah. like the, so. After a show or whatever it is, like just take. You don't have to agree with the note. You don't have to like. But but we're only going to efficiently get through the work we need to do if you just like hear it, take right. it, and we move on. Yeah. And like, I, I, yeah, I. It, I think that uh, the one thing you and Julie seem to have is a psychologically safe space that you're Mm -hmm. in, that there is some, that, that there's realistic trust. Like you, you recognize the privilege, you recognize like your own her, her, you know, and and all that. And so I think like, that's the only place where those kinds of things can occur. And I just wonder now in our country with, with, I don't know, like a, a, a CPAC was yesterday, right? They were, they, so it was all I was seeing on Twitter various like insane lies and others. like, I don't know how, I, could I walk in that room and have a conversation with these people? I
0: don't, right. and
1: yeah. as much as I believe, this is like my work is all about like that stuff now. Yeah. But I don't know that I, I could because I just don't, it doesn't feel psychologically safe. And I don't think they're operating in good, good faith
2: well I think artistically you're pointing out something that I often forget about the show which is that um, it, we live on opposite sides of the country we mm-hmm. are actually from both from Maryland but totally two different sides of the state uh, are I would expect that our families have very different political beliefs mm-hmm. um, we, we just I mean we are in two different tax brackets you like the list goes on and on we're in yeah. two di- different generations uh, this is this is my main issue with Twitter bullying and um, Instagram comments and just the meanness, the, the 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 rudeness. It's like this isn't human nature when two actual people are looking at each other. Like this is this is something different. This is something aside from that. And and certainly people are are capable of cruelty face to face, but yeah. there there are far more people who are truly capable of that cruelty than exist on internet in chat form. You know, yeah, that's right. And so when me and Julie, you know, so to speak, line up across from each other and get into dialogue, like, there's so much happening in the way of nonverbal communication that is taking care of each other, making sure the other person's okay, making sure that joke flew and didn't actually hurt too much, like, and then also taking care of the guest as well. And then the the things we talk about in real time after we record, we had a big fight, our first real fight a couple weeks ago, because I'm an introvert, she's an extrovert. I'm a writer. She's an actor. I am more prone to listen and let the person completely finish feel before I jump in. She is like, probably more like an, as it is an improv more, it's more zing, zing, zing. It's back like, I'm point, jumping in there, jumping. Mm-hmm. And she's like, look for the show to work. It can't just be my voice and the guest. Like you are the writer. You need to jump in and assert yourself and cut through with questions, with, with ideas, with, con- you know, with, with mm-hmm. perspective. And it's just, I think to, to bring it back to your question, like she's saying that cause she cares about me and I, and I am doing right. the opposite cause I care about her. And like, right. that's natural for human beings. And I, and mm-hmm. I, and I hope we can get back to that. I hope we can get out of our internet selves and back into our bodies.
1: My friend, Kim Scott calls that radical candor. This, this idea yeah. that I can only be, I can only get through to you if you know, I love you, like kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, so like that, that's where it goes. Okay, I, wanted to, I did a thing, which I think you're going to find funny. Yeah. I looked up quitting quotes on Goodreads. Okay. So here are the first three. The very first three, which means they're the most sort of cited. First is by Michael Jordan. If you quit once, it becomes a habit. Never quit. <laughs> uh, second is Lance Armstrong, who says, pain is temporary. Quitting lasts forever. Um <laughs> And the third is Douglas MacArthur. So I I want us to know we're going from Michael Jordan to Lance Armstrong (laughs) to Douglas MacArthur. And he says, age wrinkles the body, quitting wrinkles the soul. All of them completely negative.
2: Huh. That's interesting. Partially so on the idea of quitting. You know what's funny is, and this is the thing with language. It's like, well, I'm sure there's truth to what all three of them are saying. and, And I can slice it up in all these different ways to make them true. Um, Lance Armstrong is a cheater, right? And right. and y- y- honestly, there is, um, you know, especially coming from the tech world, it's all about finding the cheat. It's all about finding the unfair advantage and exploiting it until you make a billion dollars, and then you can pay off your legal funds for whatever it is that you've done wrong, right? Right. So there's a whole you could you could. You can look at any one of those three people and say, well, okay, uh, MJ, like, yeah, you never quit your pursuit of a title of an of NBA championship, but you probably quit football. You probably quit creative writing class. You probably, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the point of what we're saying is it's not like quit everything. It's not leave everything behind. It's figure out the stuff that is you, that inspires you, that makes you feel good, that you love doing every day. And if you can, if you have such a privilege and if you can figure it out, like maybe quit the other stuff, if you, if you can, that's, that's really what we're talking about. I think we get, we have in American culture, especially like such an obsession with enduring pain. It's just like, we love that, you know, struggle, feel bad, be broke, be hurt, be sad, like do it, do it, do it. And then on the other side of that is joy. What if on the other side of that is death and then it's and then that's it and it's over? You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. not I'm not willing to risk it. That, that I'm, that's a risk I'm not willing to take. I want to start doing the stuff I love to do every day.
1: That's right. And it's interesting on the Yes Hand podcast, we've had a series of guests, whether they're talking about boundaries, whether they're talking about toxic positivity, oh. um, the importance of a no. Yes. Um, and, and that's true in, in our work too. Yes. And is about like this messy beginning part of creativity. It's the opening five minutes of a brainstorm, but once you get all this stuff together, you've got to employ your nose. And so like, I feel like that, that power of of, of saying no is something that we can't forget is a big part of life because people will
2: drain you. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I am, that's a, that's like something I'm So focused on this year is learning how to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, I got a three. There's three people who I sort of admire who have, uh, and I'll give them to you quickly. Who have either told me or said something to someone else about no. So Oprah said this, not to me. Um, No is a complete sentence. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Brene Brown said to me, you know, after the book came out, she said I was I was just calling her for kind of just general advice on on next steps and what to do with what to do with myself, and she was like the most important thing is um, everything happens on your time. You choose like mm. you. See, and, and if, and if it doesn't fit your timetable, then the answer is not now. Um, and the third, and it relates exactly to what you just said was uh, Mike. Sure. The, the creator oh, yeah. of the good place and, and every and like a new book. Yeah. Got a new book. He used to be on uh, one of the writers on SNL. And he was talking about how you pour everything into that SNL sketch. You, you give it all you have, you present it to the writer's room and when it's over, if it doesn't go, like it's over, you put it behind you, and that that to me is like saying no to the idea that everything, every failure is going to haunt you and stick with you for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, that you you um alluded to this maybe in the first podcast, but uh, have you been doing like comedy, like uh, comedy writing or stand up, or, or there's was, there, there was something about that?
2: Yeah, so I um I I write for a comedy for HBO Max, which will come out this year. Um, Ostensibly, that's not an announcement. Like I, there's no announced date, but I expect that it yep. will come out this year. And um, and I've written you know comedy for TV before, but I do have uh, uh, one of my big audacious dreams is I do want to do stand up. I do want to do like a stand up, a stand up special would be the real dream. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm uh starting to wrap my brain around what the like what the process for developing something like that would be and like learning how to do it and all that stuff but i think you've you been like hitting small rooms and doing like your your type five or ten i'm no i'm at no. i'm at i'm at ground zero this is like this is like Cause a that's it the, by the way that thing. is that
1: ground zero is just walking into that room that you sign up and you go up and you're terrible i'll do um, it that's 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 and, the, and then and you find your voice and, and the only way you find your voice is by being terrible and watching mm-hmm. other people. And then the other thing, it's funny, my, my wife's finishing up her um, second book, which is called Funnier. And the title is based on she, she runs a comedy major, the first ever in, in uh, America um, wow. at Columbia College. And uh, dads will come up to her at, at open houses and say, are you going to make my daughter or son funny? And she mm-hmm. goes, I can't make them funny. I can make them funnier. I can find the thing that is authentic in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she taught Amy Poehler. It's like, not everyone's going to go and be Amy Poehler or, or AD Bryant, who she taught, but they might end up being funny enough that that's going to be useful to them in their job or oh, wow. in a relationship or whatever. So it's like, this major is not going to be a waste. Believe me, because the, the shortest distance between two people is a laugh.
2: And, <laughs> yeah. Right? It, yes. And so- <laughs> there was an, uh, one of my, my mentors, this guy, Tom straw, he, he's a, uh, um, Showrunner for like Nurse Jackie and a bunch of and he anyway he his thing is if you can make somebody laugh you can change their mind and I think that's spot on yeah yeah well that's why
1: that's why suddenly we're turning to in the last decade you know who are we turning to because it's not Walter Cronkite anymore. We're turning to Colbert or Stewart yeah. or uh, Trevor Noah or, you know, and, and there are truth tellers and it's like John Oliver genius that that long form stuff is just incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think, in fact, because like the, the other people have betrayed us and the, and the thing about comedians is they they're outsiders. That's yeah. why they're seeing what's going on. Cause they are definitely, and it feels like that's why it wasn't a surprise to me that you were getting the comedy. Cause the, your book is, is all about what it means to be on the outside looking in. And you did that
2: from the inside and yeah. you've done that from the outside. Yeah. And, and if I'm honest, you know, there are people and I, and I think that they're so important and I think that they are different from me who write about race and who write about these dynamics and they they live in that world. Like they study it nonstop. They talk about it nonstop and they are grave in the way that they communicate. Um, I like to have a good time. Like I, I, like this stuff is very important to me. It's a lot of it is what I go to bed thinking about at night and wake up thinking about, you know, but at the same time, like I have other ways of communicating. I like to have fun. I like to make a joke. I like to make somebody uncomfortable and then bring them back, you know, into a hug. Like that's, that's my thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you're, I I would love to have a conversation with your wife about, uh, how do I like, where do I start here? I know she's, you know, probably got a very full schedule of people to to do that. with. Yeah. I I just, I do think there's something to it. You know, I don't love everything Dave Chappelle is talking about right now, but he is someone who can sit down in a chair, talk to a room of, you know, a, 2,000 people, yeah. walk them through a story and lead them somewhere that they didn't expect to go. Um, and it feels true most of or the entire the entire time. And I think that's a really um, – that's just such an amazing pursuit. I would love to try to do that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean this is like – having this, this – so Ann and I have both worked at Second City over 30 years. So we've gotten to see a lot of different people sort of hone their voices. And she was Colbert's roommate in college. So that, mm-hmm. that's like, and I, and I've told the story before, but like when the Colbert report came on Anne and I were watching the first episode in bed and we're like, well, that was genius. There is no way he can keep doing this. <laughs> like, it just seemed impossible. How do you maintain that? And he did it for like a decade. And right. it, it was just like that, that level of, of, um, it's almost like athleticism, right? It's, a, it's the same thing when you look at what LeBron does. You're like, at LeBron's age, like you should not be able to move like you're moving. And then what you figure out is, oh, no, he's been doing yoga and training his body and eating in a, a certain way. That's right. And I think that is the same for these really gifted comedians is, is that they continue to work on... I don't like what Chappelle's doing right now either in right. terms of a lot, a lot of what he's talking about, but there's no question that he has continued to hone his craft And exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and it's just, it's just like really, really hard work. Like any sort of peak performance is. And I think the thing about the the podcast is actually going to be a place where you could start applying some of that as well. Right. I mean, I like, it was interesting. Your conversation with Jimmy Kimmel. um, Would I use the word sanguine? I, I I was like, Oh, this is interesting because he, Mm -hmm. while he didn't explicitly say, I'm going to quit this job. He was kind of talking about quitting his
2: job. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, what, I, what does sanguine mean? You got to teach me something. S- a sanguine is like a little sad. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's... So when people asked me, just like family, you know, like, yeah. What, yeah, what was he like? What was the conversation like? He was like this um, kind of like funny librarian almost was was I thought his way. Yeah. And he wasn't like... He certainly wasn't like the court jester, but he's never really that. That's never really his persona. But like he was, yeah, I would say there was a little bit of melancholy about the way he talks about this thing, and and I think that's like also the privilege of having done the job at a high level for so long is you can be you can be real and not be and and who knows like maybe he's leveraging for a contract negotiation like I have no idea, but it did feel honest that there is it felt very honest and yeah. To to the thing you were saying about um stamina and uh, the exercise of staying ready to entertain to make people laugh etc. Something really um, I was asking someone who knows Donald Glover who I who I really look up to because of how sure. many things he is excellent at. That's like yeah. what I, that's someone who I'm like trying to at least learn his process. And they were saying, man, the thing about him that is dynamic or that is special is like his physical stamina to be able to do uh 12 hours on set go home write a new sketch go you know work on a song go in the Mm -hmm. studio perform the song record it go to a show in another country come back it's like these these people that i am looking up to i never realized how much they're taking care of their like their human body to be able to do what they do i thought it you know, you see it on TV and it's like, oh, these people must be going out and doing cocaine and hanging out and drinking right, right, and right. like, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't seem to be the way.
1: No, no. I'm obsessed after ha- I interviewed Annie Murphy Paul, who's a science writer uh, who has a book called The Extended Mind. And her, her thesis is that we get thinking wrong. Our mm-hmm. metaphors for thinking are bad, like a computer or even the concept of growth mindset in part because our bodies are talking to us first.
2: Oh, Yes. That, right? I mean, that hugely resonates,
1: yeah. he, And and I and, and now I, I have just applied it in my life. So if I am feeling anxiety about something, I'm like, okay, no, that's there's probably something that very real that's happening here. So let's listen to it. Yes. And and uh, conversely, if I am in joy, it, like it, through my body, it's like, okay, what is it that that let's make sure I'm in in that place. And I just think like we're so like heady, yeah. um, and uh, and 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 we need to think. Uh, you know, about the other direction, I guess is what I'm saying.
2: A hundred percent. I think, I think we, you know, we start every sentence with that. I, I, I should say, I feel when I am um, in it, let's, let's just say for the podcast, for instance, when I find myself trying to do mental gymnastics to get to what's like the most poignant question I can ask right now, or yeah. what's like, you know, what's the most incisive thing I can say about the story this person just told it usually leads me down what will end up feeling like a very contrived direction. And I think that the guest and I think my co-host can feel that. When I just kind of like almost blurt out the thing that like when I just like like just have to just get rid of whatever feelings in my body, it enters the room and I think it's like chunkier and people can actually – engage with it. And a lot of times their chunky thing flies out too behind it. And okay. I, and and I wonder if you feel this way too in doing your show like to me there's always that turning point and and you pray that the turning point is like the first minute mm-hmm. where the conversation goes from heady to like what do you really feel? Like who really are you? Where where are we really at with this thing? Do you have that experience as well?
1: Yeah. So so my a trick, for lack of a better term, is I always try to make my first question be something that they've never been probably asked before. Yeah. This was a little different because um, it was the podcast. And I, I sort of and I had I had some other stuff here that I, I felt was going to be fine uh, in terms of that co- conversation, and we'd talked before. Uh, but but normally, I'll give you an example too. So. Uh, I'm interviewing next week Marcus Buckingham, who's a new york times best selling author um, a business guy but but his new book is called love plus work mm-hmm. and it's a very very big departure i mean basically like it's a cry for uh paying attention to the things we love uh, as as a part of our work um, and 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 honestly like like there's a, a three fourths of the way through there's this sort of I won't give it away, but a dramatic turn. And, and I'm going to ask him, I, I think this is a book written out of trauma. Ooh, I, I do. I, so, so, and I, I'm not trying to offend you. I don't like, yeah. you don't have to like go into that, but, but like, What's yeah, up? I think he will, because it's a book that's very real and very personal. Um, yeah. and, and, th- and that shouldn't be a slam because it's not like people are going through traumas all the yeah. time and we don't talk about it. It,
2: it. And it's interesting too, because I think you can ask him that question, in a way that not everybody can, because you don't have an attacking affect. No, do you know what no. I mean? Yeah. yeah and some right. people, some people do. Some people, oh, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> it feels like you just sat in the chair, and they're trying to like they're trying to cut you. And 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 I think you can ask that question. Um, you know, this is a, this is a non sequitur. I'm gonna I wanna sorry get right back on track, but it's it. just so so I I played basketball growing up. When you described your story um my, about soccer, I was like. Yeah my brain went so many places of like, Oh, did you quit? Because, uh, you know, your dad put too much pressure and it was too much with the other boys, with your, with your brothers. You wanted to run. He did all these things. Cause I have mm-hmm. my own story. Um, my dad played D one basketball. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, you know, five, eight, like I'm a good ball player, but like that was not going to be yeah, a professional inroad for me. And, but, but the thing I'm actually commenting here is, um, once you told me that you were a soccer player, I see you differently because I I'm, I see you and now I'm like oh I see soccer player. I see mm. like do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it's um and, well,
1: and I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't I don't give that vibe necessarily in terms of my age or any of that stuff. And essentially I love I'm my Bulls are in first place again, right? DeRozan's out of his mind. This is like yeah. the best and I haven't had the, and I grew up <laughs> right with those those great Bulls uh teams. Yes. Um I will tell you too, it was probably my coach was the mm. biggest problem and in, uh. in part because he was the coach at Trier, which is a fairly prominent high school, and and I was working out with the varsity team when I was in grade school. Oh wow! So I was get and and he rode me, mm. um, and it was just it was like I'm not I loved that game and and I was good at that game, but I stopped having any joy in that game. Yeah. Um, and Buckingham, one of the things I like about this book that he he just wrote is that. He says, like, just because you're really good at something
2: doesn't mean you should be doing it. No doubt. that. I mean, no, that, that is – I mean, he's saying it better than us. But, like, that mm-hmm. is the essence of the show. That, I mean, right. sure, I, I, I think – I really think I could have climbed that Google ladder. Like, I think I have the combination of, like, you know – um, you need at least like B minus level intelligence. You need Mm -hmm. like at least a B sort of emotional intelligence to understand people. You need at least B plus. If I'm being real, like you, you, you gotta be able to chop some heads in that office building. Mm -hmm. And like, I think I could have got myself there, but, but I, so I think I could have been really good at it, but I think I would have hated it. I think I would not have enjoyed it. And if there's another entry point somewhere else along the way, Hey, maybe so. But like, that way wasn 't going to be it, so I commend that guy for putting it you know putting putting the philosophy in a better way. Can I ask the follow up one quick follow up yeah. on that soccer question so i 'm doing this i 'm um, doing another project where i 'm like going back and kind of like studying my high school origin story, which is very intertwined with basketball and what i 'm learning there is that like it 's the performance element of sport that I have underrated in how i have tried to bend my career arc like i miss the feeling of pressure of people like mm. looking and listening to what's happening and that that sort of tension that's in the room that you don't get when you're sitting over a spreadsheet right that's right do you do you think that that performance element of soccer was in any way related to your pursuit of comedy oh yeah the, the okay. uh, yeah
1: there they're, i like attention um, uh, um, I like my former boss said to me, uh, people are your oxygen. Mm. So, so this, this idea of like, uh, being seen, uh, seeing others connecting different people. All, so, so there's an element, I love jazz. Mm. So there's an element of being in flow with a soccer team that is similar to a great jazz as band improvising, I, sh- I find myself at Second City not knowing that they did improv necessarily. Like, that was just, like, I knew com- I like comedy. And then I they're like, oh, wow, this is, again, and I, did my, I did my thesis on Jack Kerouac and the Beats. And that was yeah. improvised writing and also was community-based. So I think I found something adjacent uh, that still had, and I think this is where you're going with your question and your own story, which is like, oh, there were elements inside that that were so, important as opposed to just
2: basketball. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I honestly, I wasn't. I was just um, curious. But now that you say that, I mean, it, it is true just to sort of tie back into theme. You know, pe- one thing that that especially my mom, but others also say is, um, well, you wouldn't have been able to do X, Y and Z had you not started there at Google, like had you not gotten that foundation yeah. of and, and sure, like, I think I think there's truth to that. Um, I learned a bunch of stuff that I am now applying in writing in media in Hollywood. But, but that is not to say, like, I never would have been able to apply those things had I never taken inventory of, is this really for me? This is great. I'm learning a lot of stuff yeah. here. But like, c- can I do another year of this? Like, can I do another 10 years of this, which is mm-hmm. really the story that we're telling me? Like,
1: mm-hmm. uh, I don't think so. That's right. That's right. And it's hard to it's hard to it's hard to know. And I mean, and I've, I've seen people who quit when they shouldn't have. Yes. You know, like, like where I'm just like, no, you, you had a, if you had oh. you just stayed a little bit and, and, and that sucks too. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, who knows, who knows? Like we like the only thing, the only thing, it's not even a regret, but I sometimes wonder if I hadn't, if I should have, when I was younger, gone to LA or New York and tried to do the thing that all my friends ended up succeeding in. Could I have become like a TV producer or a movie writer or, you know, whatever. Um, but then I also sit here, and I'm like, well, I'm like really happy where I am in Chicago and what, what, what I'm doing and built a family. And like, so, so, you know,
2: I was going to ask yeah. you that, like, yeah. I mean, cause that is the question and, and I'm sure like, like everything it's day to day, but are you, I was going to ask you happy, you already answered that. I'm I happy. can, and you know, for certain that some of those, some of those people, not all of them are like, not they're, happy. they're defined by their unhappiness. Like that is no, why for, they for are sure. great at what they do.
1: I think the the only thing I'll say that is different about second city people generally and it's not true of all of them but of many of them and and I'll say, uh, Tina Fey and Stephen Colbert are too as well and, and and they wouldn't tell you their lives are perfect they're not they're messy however um they really live by the improv credo in in their life their job they feel is always to make other people uh, look better um, very very others focused uh, very believing that all of us are better than one of us so and and they build ensembles around them of people that that care about them and that they care about, and that is a quality I find in people who are happy, they have a lot of powerful good solid relationships, mm-hmm. and it doesn 't mean I, I was I talked to my therapist about this last night it 's not like my wife and I socialize at all. Like we don't go out um, to dinner parties or to like, we'll see people occasionally and stuff, but we have tons of relationships that we've built throughout the years that we can pick up with people just like this. And I just think that that's it, it, to go back to like the very early part of our, our conversation, like this human endeavor, let's not forget that this whole thing this like human thing is a human thing that we're all trying to do together. We don't do it
2: alone. Yeah, no. And you know, it's cool. And um, I don't even know sort of how it came about, but I, I am, Grateful that you like I'm to be back here uh, a year, mm-hmm. I think a year later from our first conversation. It's mm-hmm. But it's it is cool because I'm so early on the journey. Like it is it's 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 cool to start to see like, oh, like, you know, this is this one is like actually taking an interest. Like they're maybe they, they think that the story is interesting as it's developing. Maybe they're taking an interest in me personally. That that yeah. is meaningful. Like I really yeah. appreciate that. And what I'll also say is like depending on what the thing is that we are discussing depending on what the turkey is on the table. Like I Mm -hmm. see a completely different dimension of you today than I did a year ago. You know, I saw, I would have described you as one person then. Now I'm like, wow, there's all, there's this whole other room of stuff that I didn't know was there. And I know there's a thousand more of those. And that to me is like, you know, you said, someone said, um, a coach said that oxygen, people are, people are are oxygen. oxygen. And I think for me, (laughs) I would be specific to say like, the story, the stories that people have are my oxygen. Cause I'm, I'm really yeah. not an extrovert, but if, if someone gets to talking about something that like is really emotionally charging them in yep. any direction, I can sit there and listen to that for a really, really long time. Like I can, I yeah. can really get into that.
1: Well, and that's, that's why your path now makes more sense than the other path. You, you need to be in the storytelling business and it can be your story. It can be other stories. That, that's fine. and, and, this is how we learn. This is like, like you don't learn from like, you learn some stuff from data, but data is meaningless if you don't have the story behind it.
2: hundred percent. Yeah. So
1: I know we normally end the podcast with the yes and story. And you did that last time. I got another idea and you don't have to, but do you have a no
2: story, a good no story? Um, to have a good, no story. I have a good, no story. Um, Well, I have a good story of someone else telling me no, does Love that it. count okay yeah, for sure because um my 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 good no stories are happening now and I, and i'm okay. really i'm really like i'm really loving it man i i am not to go we this can be our next conversation. Hey, you said baby, no to Spotify like before that was like in fashion i did yes i did i mean i i I did because they and I don't want to say too much because I hope they make me a much a much better offer the next time around. But like they made me an offer that made that made me think, um, oh, they think Brene Brown just like dragged in some dude off the street, and and right. it was it it offended me. But that's yeah. okay, I, I'll be back. Um, mm-hmm. Here's here's the no. So, and this is this was an important no that the universe gave me. So I was couple years out of Google. um, This was when I was like truly completely unemployed and not making any money and, (laughs) um, and, and running out of money. And I had been invited to come out to LA to work with someone, to write for someone, a producer for like a couple weeks or something like that. And, um, but I'm running out of money and I, and I know like, and I've done enough of these LA trips. And at this point that I just know that, there, who knows if there's anything on the other end of this. Totally. So I'm sitting on the plane and I have just interviewed for a recruiting job at a tech company. And this little tiny startup, because I I got scared and I was like, I'm just going to go back. And um, I got the email sitting on the tarmac on the runway to go out there that I did not get the job. And mm-hmm. the reason, and the, and I did not even realize this was... Basically, he wrote that the reason is because I came into my interview, which was supposed to be an interview about being a tech recruiter, and I talked about writing for 90% of the time. And that, to me, was like, that was the most uh, profound no that God was giving me that, like, it's like, dude, you know what you want to do. You're sitting on a tarmac about to take off to go keep trying to do it. Like, don't try to find an escape hatch. It's not time yet. And so that's the opposite of of quitting, right? That's like... That's like stick with it. You're almost there, and you know. And I was almost there. And and
1: did, did they? Yeah. Was that the intent? Did you Did you feel that that was the intent of that no, or is that what you just? It was your epiphany. I think that
2: was the intent of the no from. That's a that's the a creator. Comment. I I, yeah. I think from the recruiter. I mean from the from the manager. I think the no was like you're the wrong guy for the job. You don't care about this, and <laughs> and he was right. He's I mean, right. and I had self sabotaged. I told him. I told him that basically in so many words, but. yeah. You know, in my in my arrogance at that moment, I thought, "Oh, if I ever need to go back to tech, I can." Not true, right? I love it.
1: Uh, the podcast is called Quitters. I think you can get it on any place where you get pods. I, yep. I just found it. I, I looked it up on, on what, whatever I'm using right now. I think it's Apple Yeah,
2: Spotify, Apple, wherever you get pods. You can go to our website, which is QuittersPod.com. Um, you can you can follow me at Chad Sand on Instagram. I'm giving you know all the announcements about the show. We come out every Monday um we've so far we've had myself julie ty burrell jimmy kimmel and uh we've got new guests who you know coming out every monday chad sanders thank you for coming back on the show thank you so much for having me again
1: The getting to yes and podcast is produced by the second city and wgn radio we are supported at the second city by mike Ferranaccio and colleen fahey our show is produced by Andrew Harris at WGN. The music that you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast is by Jukebox The Ghost. If you're interested in knowing more about The Second City, you can log on to SecondCity.com or email us at works at SecondCity.com.